It's the Almost Perfect Podcast. Welcome to the Almost Perfect Podcast. Celebration of fuck-ups, failures, and falling flat on your face. This is a podcast that believes you can learn from experience, but that experience doesn't have to be your own. Ha, I'm Bob Perfect, and I'm a functional fuck-up. Let's learn from somebody else's mistakes. And today we are learning from Pat Duff. Now, Pat Duff is the marketing director for Vans uh, for Europe, Africa, and the Middle East, which is a pretty big title. But Pat originally started out working working in retail, man, at Gateway Shopping Center, at two different skate stores, at Revolution and at Boogaloo's. Which, if you're, yeah, if you're a skater, you know both those stores, you know both those brands. And, yeah, like, I I also worked at Revolution after after Pat and have a lot of love and a lot of time for skateboarding and the skate scene and the community. And, yeah, this was a cool, a cool trip down memory lane whilst also looking at a fucking cool career, man. Like, Pat's journey is something I think we should all, like, well, not all aspire to, because we don't all have necessarily corporate dreams, or I don't know if, like, Pat sees himself as that corporate, um, and I don't even see him as that corporate, although he's a fucking marketing director, so, you know, he's a little, he's a little bit of a corporate type, but he's also totally a young, like, dude at heart who just loves surf and skate culture and just embodies everything that's cool about it. And so, I, yeah, I had a really fun time just getting to know Pat better, even though we've known each other for a very long time now. We've always had super dope conversations. I've always enjoyed nights out with Pat and even and even days, you know? We're sober days, but especially nights out with Pat. And so... You know, getting getting to understand how his brain works more from this side was also very cool. We have worked together on projects before when I used to run Durban Is Yours. Uh, we did the DIY skate day when Pat was at DC. And I loved working with him. It was such a cool experience. It was super easy, super dope. He's super hands-on. Like, similar to me. I'm very much like that, you know, <laughs> like when I'm working on stuff. I'm very much like to be involved in you know, make sure it all gets done, and Pat's similar, so we, we've always gotten along, and I think there's a lot to learn from this podcast, because Pat's living a very good life, like, he's in the mountains in Switzerland, he lives, like, right on the border by Italy there, and, yeah, he tells me it's beautiful, like, he really feels like he's won the lottery, like, he gets to go and walk around in the mountains and the forests, and when, pre-corona vibes, you know, was traveling the world constantly, although we we get into why that's actually not such a great thing, and like one of the, like, better sides of this whole corona thing, you know, is that he's not traveling as much, so yeah, we get into a lot of different aspects of it, I mean, we get into the realities of what he does, um, and it's been a lot of different things over the years, Pat's worked for DC, for Tommy Tacky slash Bata, who's the parent company there for Naki. And yeah, it all started with picking up a 50-year-old hitchhiking bodybuilder and uh, taking a job by selling out for double the money. So yeah, it's, it's uh, like I'm going to let him tell you everything, but 
I really, yeah, I really had a great time with this chat. And just in general, it's been a pretty good, pretty good week here mentally for me, just in terms of the vibe. I know, like last week, I was like, "Yo, things have been kind of average." Uh, but yeah, back. I feel like I'm back in the game. I feel like I'm handling things quite well. Um, I know we're all in different spaces when it comes to this thing, and I just, yeah, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're not, like, life's not too hectic for you at the moment. And if it's not, that you're able to make the most of whatever circumstances you are in at the moment. And that hopefully this podcast helps you, man. Like, hopefully this conversation either inspires you or just entertains you enough to make you think about some different things. I know the world out there is pretty crazy at the moment. It's it's not like it doesn't seem like it's going to stop getting crazy and depending on where you're at, yeah, the craziness is just like there's different flavors, there's different brands. Like the American brand in particular is one I am so glad that I am not like having to deal with, but you know, we've got our own brand of crazy here. Like we got the government like stuff, I know. Yo, like obviously, yeah, like they suck. Cool, I agree, but people's responses to government stuffs also just, yo, oh, it's tiring. It's a lot. It's why you. It's uh, it's why you won't see me on Twitter anymore. I've I've quit that thing. I'm done. Like I'm not. I don't think I'm ever going back. Like I post stuff from the almost perfect media account and that, but. I'm not scrolling, I'm not replying to people really, I'm not like, I'm just so over it man, I'm just so over all the constants, like, it's just constant, like, that's the thing, it's just this constant stream of just, ah, just constantly, just like, I don't know, it's, I'm pretty certain, like, it's one of the circles of hell. And we willingly just log on all the time. And we just scream at each other all the time. And I'm just over it. So, yeah. Like, I don't I don't know how you feel about the booze ban. Because I don't care. I didn't even look <laughs> like at anyone's opinions. I don't care. Whatever. Booze is banned again. Yeah, that's a thing. Just deal with it. You know how I deal with it? I've made some pineapple beer. So, this, this Saturday, this Sunday, we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'll get a little drunk ski. Maybe I won't. But at least I did something about it. Instead of sitting on the internet and complaining. Uh, <laughs> grow your own weed, you know, like all that stuff. Just like brew your own beer. Just make yourself self-sufficient. And I don't know, go live on a farm somewhere. Isn't that the dream? Isn't that what we all want? I don't know. Um, yeah, so what am I working on at the moment? Well, there's a lot of different things. But almost live is a show that I do every single Tuesday. You might know about it, you might not, because you might be new to this podcast. But either way, eh, most Tuesdays, I, I want to say every Tuesday, but like it hasn't been every Tuesday, but most Tuesdays at 7 o'clock, I chat uh, live to someone, take a deep dive on a specific topic. This week, I chatted to Simi RF, who is the host of Lesser Known Somebodies and the founder of POC Podcasts. And uh, a friend of mine, but you wouldn't know that judging by the conversation we had. It was a little a little antagonistic, but it was quite fun. So you can go learn more. I think a lot of different people are considering getting into podcasting at the moment. They've got a bit more time and they're like, hey, I've got a story to share. And so, yeah, so we're going to discuss how you can do that if that's something you want to do. 
So go check that out. That's on youtube.com forward slash almost perfect media. Or you can go to our Facebook account, which is probably also facebook.com forward slash almost perfect media. Like I, I just assume that's what it is because I got that shit on lock, man. Um, what else do I need to tell you about? I suggest you go listen to the Tiny Mongwe episode if you haven't. Last week it was quite well received and it's partially why I decided, yo, let me chat to someone else who's, you know, doing stuff on the back end, you know, because Tani is a producer slash director slash project manager type. And yeah, like I'm trying to just explore different sides of creativity and that. I mean, I had a past on here recently, so I don't even know, like Apple people might feel feel a little controversial if I said there's creativity to being a pastor, but uh, there there is. And <laughs> you can interpret that however you want. But yeah, it's been it's been interesting exploring different avenues. You know, not just chatting to artists, not just chatting to people who are necessarily creating and putting out art, but people who are around it, people who are helping get art made or yeah, just a part of the creative industry or utilize creativity in different ways. So this is this is one of those chats and I think there's so much value regardless of where you're at um, in your life and within the creative scene or industry. Maybe you're not even in it because, you know, you saw the marketing director side and you're like, yo, I'm going to get some tips on how to direct things properly. Um I don't even really know what a marketing director does still. Like, Pat explains it. Pat explains it on the podcast. But I'm still a little, like, head scratchy when it comes to it. But that's cool. I don't I don't need to know exactly. Like, that's why, like, I just can't have an office job. Because people have all these different titles. And I'm just like, cool. <laughs> like, what, what does that mean that you actually do? And then when I find out, it's so, like, it just sounds like shit that, like, I just wouldn't want to do. So, I guess that's why. I do this. And if you want to support this, uh, if you want to support my dreams of not having an office job ever again, then uh, you can go on over to Almost Perfect. No. Well, you can go to almostperfect.co.za. You definitely can do that. There's a lot of dope, interesting, not content, media, baby, because this is Almost Perfect Media. So go check out all the different media that's over on almostperfect.co.za. And then go to patreon.com forward slash almost perfect where you can subscribe uh, monthly. You can put in, you can chip a few shekels into the collection plate here and you can help me make this thing better and better each week. And I'm working on the the value offer at the moment. Um, I am re re looking at things. We're going to, I'll pitch it, I'll pitch it to you soon. We'll see, we'll get some feedback from you. Uh, but yeah, I wanna I wanna focus a little on the Patreon, try and give people who are you know supporting the podcast and the media company as a whole a bit more value. And yeah, you can go check out what's on offer at the moment at almost per- not, yes you you can always go to almostperfect.co.za, but you can go to patreon.com forward slash almostperfect and check out what's the vibe there for now. But it's a, it's gonna look a little different soon. Uh, at the moment, though, we do have the titular titles tier. This is a $10 tier where you can become a part of the cast and crew of the Almost Perfect podcast. This is why it is no longer just I here at Almost Perfect Media, but it is we. Because we have got a cast and crew. We've got a whole team of people. Uh, the way it works is the team of people gives me money, and I do all the work. Which, you know, seems to work for me. 
So shout outs to Karan Slemon, who is the almost perfect youth leader or the youth group leader. Uh, we've got Chief Sales Officer of Subtle Heresies in the Greater Overberg region. That is Rousseau. And we have got Stephen Olafia, who is the executive producer. And we've got Julian, who is the king, uh, which is pretty gang. Gang gang. I was going to say gangster, but like... I'm, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna be saying things are gangster when they're not, you know, like actually gangster. I'm just gonna say things are gang, 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 cause yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I need to tell you, right? Uh, other than that, go like, share, rate, review, subscribe. You know the deal. You know, you know the things. You know the things. So please go do them. And without further ado, here comes the almost perfect podcast with Pat Duff. Cool. So how are you living, Pat? Bob, I'm good, dude. I'm super good. I'm better for, for chatting to you, my friend. Um, I actually just finished listening to your live podcast with, uh, with your boy, Simi. So, uh, with uh, old Simi RF, the host of Lesser Known Somebody's. Yeah. <laughs> it was a rally conversation. I think this one might be slightly different. Yeah, I was uh, half learning about podcasts and absorbing all this information and then half like shitting myself because I knew we had a, like a call schedule for tonight. So <laughs> I hope, uh, yeah, I hope we can just enjoy this time and, and I can catch up, man. Yeah, man, like we're going to catch up a little bit. We're definitely going to be talking about the old dates, but it's also, I feel like this is going to be a conversation where I finally find out what it is exactly that you do. Because, like, at this point, I don't even actually really know, like, what side of the true world, like, you are in. So what is it that you do these days? If we can Dude. get, like, the, the pinpoint title, but not just the title, like, what that actually entails. Okay. Yeah, all right. That's probably a good place to start. Um, so we moved to Europe three years ago. Uh, I took up a job with Vans, like, International. And the European head offices are here in Switzerland. And like Switzerland is such an interesting thing, right? Because it's like this country that's not part of the EU. It's in the middle of Europe. And a lot of companies have their like company or financial bases. Yeah, like here in Switzerland. So my job is I'm a marketing director. I do like uh, wholesale marketing for pretty much anywhere that you can buy vans in Europe, like has some link some way through to the head office here in Switzerland. Um, so yeah, we've got teams in, in all the different countries that all kind of report up into the head office here. And dude, if you ask me what I do, like I could have given you a pretty clear answer on that maybe six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> but man, at the moment, I'm learning new shit by the Day. it's uh it's insane like um how the last few months have like uh pushed me in in my career dude it's uh it's definitely put an entirely new lens on on everything so yeah basically right now we're just trying to like keep the keep the train on the tracks keep things going with vans making uh, sure we connecting with our consumers across europe uh the middle east and africa as well so yeah dude that's that's my gig man <laughs> It's a pretty big title, man. Like that's like you know the title is pretty big, but then also the job. I can imagine at the moment has shifted completely because how you market stuff now must be quite different. Like so, while that's like I like I wasn't even really thinking about it, like that it would be that different. But 
really thinking about it, I can imagine your world has changed a lot because, you know, people wear Vans out. It's a very social brand. It's a very, you know, I know Vans is very much involved in event scenes and terms of stuff like that. So, yeah, with the world being locked inside, how has that affected, like, yeah, just your mindset with when it comes to marketing? Dude, so, I mean, great question. I think uh, the obvious answer is everything has gone, not everything, a lot of things have gone online, have gone like digital, yeah. So for for my, like, job title, my role, what I do specifically is, like, at the point of purchase when people walk into a store, what they see from bands is, is kind of like what I take care of. So right okay. now, everything's just, you know, um, shifted to digital because we're a brand that has kind of built a lot of our success on having this great in-store presence. You know, you can walk into yeah. a, a store and like, you know, where the van section is, it, it gives you a little bit of storytelling around the brand or like a specific product capsule that you might be interested in. Uh, but guess what, dude, like stores across Europe, and Middle East and Africa are fucking closed, man. So we were like, all right, we've got to like kind of dial up everything that we're doing digitally. It was a, you know, a big part of what we did already, but we really needed to accelerate it. Like, you know, what I think would have taken maybe 12 months to do, I feel like we've kind of done in, in literally like six to eight weeks. Yeah. So there's a big shift in digital for, for my like, my specific field um and then thinking about like what you've just mentioned like people love vans because it's like this action sports brand we uh, we're also kind of like we show up strong in music art and kind of like this like street culture piece as well yeah and like people come to our events and like that's what they do like when vans has got something going on in their city or in their town their local towns so that's been super interesting, man. Like things have kind of shifted to to like these online kind of more streaming type experiences. And man, right now it's like test and learn, fail, fail often. And uh, yeah, just just go for it. Like there's like all, all things are kind of on the table right now. There's no such thing as a bad idea. So it's a pretty exciting kind of place to be um, despite like the obviously the, the fucking this crisis situation we're all in. Um, it's also it's a mad scramble now because everyone's trying to do the same thing or yeah. not necessarily the same thing, trying to get into similar spaces, but trying to do it in their own way. Exactly, dude. Yeah. So we just got to like keep fans, fans, do what we do, uh, but kind of just change how we do it. Yeah. I'm trying to think, should we like get into how you got to start with fans or should we just go all the way back to like the beginning? Like, I, I think let's go all the way back to the beginning and then we can work our way to to where you are now or at least we can go back to like where i know you from so i used to work at a skate store called revolution <laughs> in gateway and you were at boogaloo's dude so that's a that's a that's a crazy thing i also worked in a store called revolution um before you i am um, oh snap were you at rev yeah dude i opened that store <laughs> um what? yeah 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 totally it was my first job dude Fresh out of college, studied at Rhodes University, and I grew up kind of between Joburg and Cape Town. I always wanted to live in Durban, dude. Durban was always top of my, like, and it still is top of my list for places to live. So when I finished college, dude, I moved to Durban and kind of like bounced around between my girlfriend at that time. Had, you know, her parents were in Peter Maritzburg. So I kind of stayed with them for a few months. And then I was kind of on the bluff for a few months, staying with my friend Will. 
looking for jobs, dude. And like I studied economics and like, I think my parents had this expectation and, and I probably too, you know, kind of did too, to go into like the world of finance. So I was going for these like, in, like job interviews with like in, I don't know, FMB and Standard Bank and uh, SA Home Loans, dude, made me a job offer, bro. And I was like, okay, fuck, like this is my, this is my moment. Like I'm going to, okay. I don't know, like I didn't even really know what the job was. I just, I was like, I'm going to like sell home loans or move money around or I didn't really know what it was, like what I was signing up for. And dude, like in the same week, um, my girlfriend saw this like ad and she was like, dude, they're opening a skate store in Gateway. Um, it's Clayton Peterson, who I knew from Joburg. So I was like, fuck, yeah. no way, this is perfect. So I went and had a job interview with Clayton in, in, in Gateway and he so you were a me, skater though, like you've been skating, like you've been a part of the culture. Yeah, dude, I've been skating as far back as I can remember. I'm so shit at it, it's embarrassing. <laughs> you and, and me both, bro. <laughs> yeah, but it's always been there for me, you know, like when I was a kid growing up and all I wanted to do was surf, I, I had skateboarding. So I, like I knew Clayton from the Rosebank Revolution store back in the day. And he offered me the job, dude. And it was the same amount of money as SA Home Loans. So I was like, fuck, dude, this wow. is it. Yeah, this, I'm, I'm doing this. And um, I was just thinking that SA Home Loans job must have been great. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. I think back when I was, I was like, what the fuck were they actually thinking I was going to do for that amount of money? Like, yeah, I don't know, dude. It's probably like working in a call center or something. I, like, honestly. Probably. Dude. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, the, I know how much I got paid. Not that I was like at the same level as you. I was just a store clerk. I did do assistant managing for a while, but yeah. So you opened Rev. Yeah, I opened Rev with Clayton. Uh, I spent a night in that store, dude. The night before we opened it, like we put up shelves oh, wow. and fucking like painted the floor and like, all the final like touches unpacking the stock. And uh, I, I remember that talking, store dude. opening, I think. Like, I think I was there, like, because it was a big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. It, like, sent shockwaves through the, like, I don't know, the gateway skate community. Everyone was so hyped that this new skate store was coming into town that, like, wasn't Boogaloo's, because I think that was kind of all that was around at the time. Um, and Rev, Rev was, like, the more, like, punky kind of vibe, like... Boogaloo's was more like your etnies and your uh, DC side of things, whereas like, like I'd say Rev was more like your Fallen's and your Zeros. Like, dude, one hundred percent. Like Clayton Peterson, like is one of the like most fucking pure dudes you'll ever come across, right? Um, you know, I I kind of just remember knowing that like Boogaloo's was like where you could get like wheelies and like ADO. And Revolution like had like Lakai and fucking DVS and like the hard oh, yeah, goods were the guys. best. Dude. Yeah, man. Like Alien Workshop and chocolates and like girl skateboards, which you couldn't get in Durban at that time, I don't think. Yeah, so that like that was the whole thing, bro. And like I worked for Clayton for I don't know six months, and the dudes at Boogaloo's were like really upset that uh, Clayton had opened that store. And there was this dude called um, Stan. He was like, um, I don't know, dude. He must have been like 50, uh, like early 50s. Gray hair and he was a bodybuilder. And he was like the the dude that took care of the Boogaloo store in Gateway. And he, he kept coming into the Revolution store and like kind of like heckling me. Like, yeah, you guys, like you shouldn't be opening here. And this is our turf kind of like story. Dude, so like Stan and I had this like radical rivalry. Um, <laughs> for, for six months yeah imagine that dude I'm like this 20 
something year old kid like facing this 50 year old bodybuilder like giving me shit every day i came to work i just i just love that there was a 50 year old bodybuilder working <laughs> at a school. yeah 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 that's the, like that was the boogaloo's like model dude like the the the, the owners are uh, you know they're like they're bodybuilders they were bodybuilders they're like always into fitness i think boogaloo's originally like started as like a fitness and like windsurfing type like company yeah back in the day like i don't know in, like, pivot, bro. pivot got a pivot dog <laughs> yeah so then dude stan dude this is actually a crazy story just thinking back on this so one day i was driving to work um in my fucking golf my city golf and i was living on the durban beachfront at that time we got a, an apartment at beechhurst and I see this dude stand hitchhiking on like the M4. I'm like, dude, what the hell is going on? This guy's like standing in the middle of the road hitchhiking. And I drove past him and I was like, yeah, fuck you, dude. Like you, you, you hitchhiked, dude. But then you I thought about like, it. You were like, how's left? You were like, No, no, you. dude. My initial thing was like, fuck this guy, bro. He's been like up in my face for the last six months. Like literally like, I was like scared to go to work at one stage. He was like, dude, it was pretty, it was pretty okay. wild. So, but, so this is the thing. So as I passed him, I was like, no, like, actually, this is your moment, dude. Like, turn around. So I took the off ramp and went back over Durban North and then like got back onto the, the M4 and I stopped and I picked him up, dude. And I think he was, he was like, he was shook, dude. He was like, you, you're giving me a ride. I was like, yeah, get in the car, dude. Do you, do you want the ride or you don't? <laughs> and he gets in the car and like, we started chatting and it, within weeks, dude, he was like, no, you, you're the guy that needs to work at Boogaloo's. Like, we, we're going to, like, I don't know, we're going to get you from Evolution to Boogaloo's. And um, they, I don't know, did they, like, I can't remember, but it was, like, they, like, almost doubled my salary. So, at that stage, um, I don't know. Yeah, I was, many talks, bro. Many talks. Yeah, I was worried. Like, I was, like, I wasn't sure what to do, and I spoke to my buddy, Brett Shaw. Oh. I was going to say that the, the question of like selling out come up there because yeah, like for skaters, that. like even though you've just done your economics degree, like you're oh, still like dude. a skater and you're working at a skate store. So yeah. it's like you're to go across to the competition across where there are bodybuilders for double the money. Yo, that's, that's movie over. stuff. <laughs> dude, I crossed over and it was a, it kept me awake for, for fucking days, dude. And I went to my buddy Brett Shaw and I was like, Brett, um, who's like a, a respected fucking skateboarder, dude. Brett is like, yeah, know. you know, um, so I go to him and I like sit him down. I'm like, this is what's going on. I'm like even nervous to tell you what do you think I should do? Dude, he's like, he like packs up laughing. He's like, dude, what? what's the question? Like, are you asking me a question? Like, they want to double your salary. Dude, don't be a dickhead. You, you got you to gotta go work for them. Um, so, yeah, I crossed over to Boogaloo's, man. And I think, yeah, I did 18 months or two years, two years with those guys. What was the, yeah, what was the mall, like, especially the gateway mall experience mm -hmm. like for you? Because I can imagine from the revolution to Boogaloo's and over that, like, two-year period, it yeah. changed quite a lot. Yeah, it did. So I think at that time, dude, that, that was like a golden time for me, honestly speaking. It was tough, dude. Like, I uh, I didn't get, like, a lot of leave days. I was working every weekend. I worked, like... Yeah, one day, day a week off. One day a week off. You know the deal, dude. I worked, like, on New Year's Eve. I worked around the clock. But I was super lucky that I had um, Jonathan and, and uh, this other dude, Shackleton. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Dude, what a fucking great, like, 
bunch of dudes. So we had like a, a really good time working together. Wave House, as you would know, if you worked at one of the stores, you got free entry into Wave House. You could even ride the the wave, the I think, rider, yeah. or free the floor rider. That was in the big. That was in the beginning. Oh, uh, did they change it? Okay, yeah. dude. So I mean, you know, you work all day, you on your feet all day, and then you go skate in like the evening. You're fucking like dying of heat. You get home at nine o'clock at night. You're you're like fucking dead, dude. So I did that for two years, but it was. It was amazing, man. It grounded me. It taught me like so many skills that I still use today. And like in, I don't know, like a big thanks to the guys at Boogaloo's because they, they were also super cool to me. I realized that I was slowly going insane working so many hours in that store. So I started pitching all these ideas to them. I was like, why don't we do a skate tour and we can like take these team riders like on skate tours and we can organize these events. And they were all up for it. They were like, yeah, cool. Like if, if you can do it like with a, I don't know, 500 Rand or a thousand Rand budget, go for it. <laughs> and that's all I wanted to do was be out of the store. So any opportunity I got, I was like, cool. We're going to go to Mandini and skate the ball. We're going to go to Belido and skate. We like, I started like writing articles for, um, for session and blunt. Session, yeah. yeah. Like just anything to get out of the store. And, and they were cool, dude. They were really good to me. Um, yeah. Until. So until you'd the- say like you're, your perception of them kind of changed like once you started, like once you stopped having this rivalry with the 50 year old bodybuilder. Yeah. So he, he left after I started, he kind of got out of the picture. Um, and the great thing about Durban was they had like loads of stores in Joburg and all they really cared about was the, what was happening in Joburg. Yeah. They didn't really keep an eye on me. So as long as the store was turning good numbers, they were cool, dude. And the first thing I did when I started there was we pulled out the Heelys um i started uh buying vans i started putting yeah you became a skate store yeah we became a little bit of a skate store and like i don't know we've got like a little skate team together um it was a good place you know like it was it was it got better it definitely got better (laughs) yeah no like there was definitely a time where boogaloo's was lame as fuck and then like i think you took over and like it became a lot cooler and like just I know it became like competition for Rev and essentially the two of them hurt each other over time. But that was also, I think, yeah. just because skating kind of died a little bit and like it's ebbed and flowed and also just the mall culture of skating. Like personally, I'm like quite grateful it's not really there anymore. You know, like yeah. it was so weird. Like just some as someone who came from the, the town side of skating, you know, like the, the beachfront park and then also just the skating like in the streets and that. Like going to the gateway park where like people oh, are being dropped man. off by their parents. Parents, and, like, yeah, they like, get like yeah. they get like spending money and it's like all polished and it's like this beautiful skate park and you got like lifeguards walking around in yellow t-shirts. Now nah, I get it, dude. I totally get it. Yeah, it, was, like, it, was, yeah. it was a weird experience, but it was also like you know, there's there's like it's cool if it gets people into it, you know, and like it's yeah. cool to have those spaces and like, yeah, like <laughs> I think you know Durban's worse off without revolution than you know. Yeah. When we had it. Yeah. But from from Boogaloo's, what what happened then? Because if I remember correctly, you were at Butter, but like I think DC was before that, right? Ah, uh, yeah. Or DC like... came after Boogaloo's, dude. So that was like a big break for me because Brett Brett Shaw was doing um, a TV series like Board Riders TV for. Oh Pixel yes, that was, on, that was literally on TV. Yeah, that it was, was literally on like TV on Saturday mornings. I remember. Yeah. So on imagine Sports. this: I'm working in the skate store. I'm like pitching these ideas to these 
owners of Boogaloo's like, yeah, we're going to do the skate tour and it's going to be on TV. They're like, whoa, fuck, epic. Like, dude, go for it. Like, if you need to take three days out of the store and go get this, like, footage, go do it. So, <laughs> yes, like, dude, Brett opened so many doors for, like, for me, dude. Him and Dave DeWitt, like, and myself and a few oh, others. Oh, cool. Skate Shades, Dave DeWitt. Skate Shades, yeah, totally. Like, that's all we did. We just, like, try to find reasons to go skate stuff around Durban. Um, so we did a, a bunch of tours. Anyway, what happened was Quicksilver in South Africa actually like um, sold themselves back to the parent company in Europe. And at the same time, um, so they sold the licensee business back to, back to, the, uh, to the actual brand. Yeah. And part of the deal was that the guys at Quicksilver needed to start DC Shoes because Quicksilver globally had just bought DC Shoes. And they, they didn't really want to like do it. You know, Quicksilver in South Africa and Roxy were like kind of built their success in surf and you not a, not a whole bunch about skateboarding. Um, so they were kind of like half wanting to do this thing. And um, Brett put my name forward to the guys at Quicksilver, Arthur Lomboris. And he was like, dude, if you're looking for a guy to head up DC, this is my buddy Pat. He knows what's up. He's worked in the store. He knows everyone like this is like this is the guy you need. Man, I was completely out of my fucking, I like out of my depth. So I get this call from Arthur one day and he's like, yeah, like come have a coffee. So I go through to Stamford Hill Road and like, he's like the godfather of like the South African surf industry. So I'm like this 20 year old kid having like this coffee with this guy, a little bit intimidating, but I, I kind of like held it down a little bit. Um, and then it happened so quickly. It must've been, I don't know, four weeks. They offered the, 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 the job to me. Like they were like, cool, we got Andrew Mork. He's already signed up. Yeah. We need we need like we need another dude to kind of like And Andrew's like a legend in the SA skate scene. Yeah, totally, dude. Legend in the fucking skate scene. We need like we need two of you. Um and like I signed the offer and the next week they were like, We wanna fly to France to the European head office for you to meet <laughs> for you to meet everyone. I'm like <laughs> Dude, I'm like getting these emails in the store in Boogaloo's like, yo, send us your passport. We like need to book your tickets. Uh, like what, what meals do you like? What don't you eat? Like, dude, breakthrough moment for me completely. <laughs> that is like, and from there, it's kind of, I mean, not being all that, but it has like your life has shifted into that, you know, like yeah. more, more plane flights, more travel, <laughs> more, more meetings, more. Yeah. You went from being a clerk in a store to like now running shit but like it took a yeah. it took a while and dc was one of those steps there absolutely dude dc was great for me i was there for seven years uh, andrew and i like kind of built up this team of like at one stage uh, it was close to like 15 people and it exposed me to everything and the great thing about arthur and boris was like as, a, as my boss he was like, dude, do your shit. You're going to make mistakes and I'm going to let you run. I'm going to let you fall and you're going to get up and you're going to carry on. So he didn't try like micromanage awesome. me. Yeah, it was, dude, I got to like take my hat off to, to all those guys for those opportunities and, and uh, let, letting me fuck up along the way, dude, because I made heaps of fuck ups. I like uh, plenty of times uh, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but yeah, it, it all kind of worked out. So I was there for seven years. And then I got the call uh, from Nike in Johannesburg. Oh, yes. Nike was yeah. uh, was the next step there. Yes. Yeah, okay. totally, dude. So I fucking, like, 
um, packing. Oh, wait, before we, before we get yeah. to Aki, though, one of the things I wanted to talk about or just bring up, like one of the cool things like, I know about your time at DC was how freeing it was because I remember when we did the skate day together, yeah, like the DIY, the DIY skate DC day. skate day. <laughs> yes, man. And it was like, it was so rad because, yeah, like that was just like a couple conversations that we had together. And then all of a sudden we're busy, you know, buying meat on the beach and have a bunch of grums skating and like, yeah, on Freedom Day. That was yeah, such a like. Dude, that was such a great day. Louis did the artwork. You fucking. Mm-hmm. You got the right people there. Uh, I've got a great photograph somewhere, dude, of you and Louis kissing on the beachfront. <laughs> on that day. It was just, and everyone had, went and had a swim at the end of the day, like in in, in the ocean. It was so fucking. Yeah, good. it was such a cool, like just yeah, experience. Like I still, because I mean I, I've got such a, I mean I love skateboarding, and like I got back on the other day for the shove it cancer I saw, day, yeah, and dude. I actually landed a fucking shove it for like the first time in 15 years. Oh so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite cool but that's the thing i've always had this like relationship with skateboarding i think kind of similar to you where like i love the sport but i just wish i was better at it oh, like, man. i i haven't been on the board as much but you i know are always on but that was one of those days where it was just like you know it just reminded me of like my, my teen years like at the beachfront you know like yeah. every weekend just like skating and just like hanging out with the homies and just like how important that was for me you know personally like having that space and having yeah. just this thing to like focus on and work on and just try and get better at dude skateboarding like what you just said there describes it perfectly it's like a time and place in your in your life that might come like multiple times it might only happen once um but like it's it's kind of there and it, it builds character and it's so fucking good because it's just organized man it's not like surfing which i think is quite organized now it's like become this like massive thing skateboarding is yeah. still pretty fucking loose and it's it's about the people dude like skateboarding is is literally about who you with at the time and and the places that you go together it's yeah it's good i mean literally like some of them like I've, like you know recommended you for jobs at dc so. <laughs> <laughs> well dude i mean just thinking about like i'm trying to make the connection so i think what happened at dc was uh liz ross she worked with me at oh, boogaloo's yes. Yeah, so she started working at DC as a as a graphic designer, and she had come from disturbance with like Richard and Susie Hartz and Roger and Jardine. Louis, yeah. yeah, so Liz was the fucking connection to Louis Lee Man, um, and through those guys, I I think I connected with like you and yeah, it just like from there things things became incredible, dude. Around that time in Durban, like for me, it was yeah, like a the end of like my twenties, I was getting into my thirties and I, I like came across like this group of incredible people that I don't know, dude, it was just like such a fucking great time. Doing I took, things. Just doing things. Yeah. Like people starting things. And it was so different to how I like had experienced Durban just before that. I was kind of like in the surf kind of industry type scene and like Takazulu and like, I don't know. Uh, tilt, oh, wow. Like, yeah, that's where I was. I dude. mean, I worked at Della Soul, so I know all about things. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So that, dude, that's where I was in Durban. Um, and yeah, Liz opened up this whole world of like incredible people that like, um, I'm just so fucking thankful for like, um, they're, they're my friends today and they'll be my friends forever because that time in Durban was just, it was super good. It was really good for me. Um, then the, it came to an end when you got got the job offer with Nike. Yeah. So that, that was like, 
that was a crazy time because um, I think things at DC were good. I was probably a little bit too comfortable. We were going to Amsterdam every night playing foosball. Uh, Amsterdam, with... the bar, not the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just for people who like are listening who aren't from Durban. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Amsterdam, the bar in Glenwood. Sorry, international audience. Yeah. Uh, I was going there like literally every night of the week to hang out with like Louis Lehman, um, do Dirk Fuego, all the like the guardians of the Tiger Den. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I now live on that road, by the way. Oh, I'm, like on Rapson Road. I'm 50 meters. Pardon? On, yeah, I'm on uh, Helen Joseph. Yeah, I'm 50 ah. meters from Amsterdam. Yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, sorry. Next to Amsterdam. Okay. Epic. Man. Um, and I, dude, so I was living in Glenmore at that time. I bought a, I bought an old house uh, a year after I started at DC, like this fucking wild, old, falling down house. I so, assume the economics degree helped you make that decision. Dude. Because most people, most people aren't going to decide that after a year, like, uh, like a decent <laughs> job. I don't know, dude. Pure luck, man. We were living on the beachfront at Beechhurst, like in a one-bedroom apartment. There was three of us, and I did the math, and I was like, if we buy this house, instead of paying to live in this apartment, you guys can pay me, and then we just like we can just carry on living, but it'd be it'd be better. Like I said, um, economics. <laughs> economics, son. <laughs> um. But at that time, like, I don't know, things was, were really good in Durban, like probably a little too comfortable. And then the, the Nike thing popped up and I was like, okay, like this is probably like a good move for me. I think at that stage, the surf industry was getting a little bit fucking weird, like just financially, a lot of shit was going, going on. DC yeah. as a brand, like also like veered into like motorsports and like petrol head type stuff. And oh, yes. Yes, remember that whole stage like monster energy drink and like dudes were like yeah Yeah. all of that so the nike thing was was really good i was like cool let's do this but that stage dude i just like because nike were getting into skateboarding then like so while skateboarding was getting into like (laughs) lifestyle uh, and like like all this extreme athletic stuff stuff. yeah 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 nike sb popping up like even heavier yeah exactly that dude um, but I just like kind of met Michaela as well, dude. So we'd been dating for about six months when I got the Nike, the Nike offer. And I was like, cool. So this is the deal. Like I got this job offer and she was like, yeah, that's cool. Like go, go do you, uh, just make sure you come back to Durban as often as you can. Um, so I, like, dude, I took that job offer. I was living in Jogu. I remember that period. Yeah. I was there from Monday to Friday and I was catching flights every week, came back to Durban to, to come like, I don't know, see the homies and, and see Michaela. That was actually a really tough year. That was 20, like 13, 2014. I just remember being tired. I was always on flights between like traveling from Joburg to Durban, traveling uh, across like South Africa. Almost just traveling in Joburg. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just getting to the fucking airport on a Friday afternoon was like a super stressful experience. Uh, And I was traveling internationally as well. I was doing trips to like the US and stuff. So I was just like kind of living out of a bag. I just didn't. So so what were you actually doing at NAC there? What was the job? So that was a sales manager job. I was heading up um, Nike Sportswear, which is like their big lifestyle category. Jordan basketball, Nike basketball and SB. They just like lumped like all pretty much all the cool. Any sporting in it. Yeah, but like all the cool ones. Like, thank God, like, I didn't have to do like running and tennis and shit like that. They gave me like okay, the, fair enough. Yeah, they gave me like the, the cool Nike shit, which was great, dude. Like that was uh, that was an education because I came from 
like working with Arthur at Quicksilver, like quite a strong entrepreneurial spirit. I had a lot of freedom, I had a lot of flexibility to Nike, which is like this fucking global machine, bro. Don't look left, don't look right. Like it's this is how we do things. So was uh, it was it like that? Was it like a big like difference compared to like just being like free flowing? Because also Boogaloo's they were like on board with your ideas and stuff like that. Yeah. So at Nike, did you find yourself having to fight for your ideas more? Nah, dude, don't even pitch those ideas, bro. Wow. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't even a, like, fight for your ideas. Like, it's um, it's a well-oiled machine, dude, and that's why they are so good as what, at what they do. It's like global... So you were just a cog there. Yeah, you're, you're a cog, um, but not taking any, anything away from the, the brand. I think they're amazing, and there's so much that I learned there. Um, but after a year, dude, the traveling, and I think I was missing some of that, like, freedom and flexibility and being able to bring ideas to the table made the decision to move back to Durban. And at that stage, Mike Wyatt had moved to Australia and his job at Barter was open with like Tommy Tackies. So moved back to Durban and took the job with Tommy Tackies for, for a year, which was also super good, dude. Like, learned a shitload. I was going to say, like, going into that job, though, like, what were you thinking? Were you like, is this a step down or is this just a step into a new, like, space? Because... You know, Tommy Tackies aren't necessarily known as like a cool brand, although they're yeah. probably a bit cooler now than they were back then. But like, you know, going from Nike to DC, from DC, Nike, etc. You know, in these skate brands, in these yeah. like, it was a big thing, dude, at the time. I remember like being because Nike were like, okay, so you're resigning, where are you going? And I didn't want to tell them. I was almost like a little bit like, fuck, I can't tell these guys I'm going to Tommy Tackies. They're gonna like fucking laugh at me, dude. <laughs> And a lot of people were really surprised. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know, just people around me, like connections I'd made in Joburg and stuff at the time were like, oh, oh, so you, you're leaving Nike? Like, are you fucking crazy? Like, <laughs> Nike, Nike's like, God, dude, you don't walk away from that shit. But uh, I made the call, dude. I was missing Durban. Uh, I didn't feel myself for most of that year. So, yeah, I had to fucking do what I got, you know, do what I got to do. And it was a good gig. My, Mike had set that business up um like dude tommy tackies at that stage was just fucking booming they were selling like millions of pairs every year and i kind of just came in for a year just to kind of take over from from where mike left off um yeah so that was good dude and i, I did that for a year but it also that tommy tackies is like it's a canvas vulcanized shoe so i got to travel to china i saw fucking shoes being made it also um, sounds pretty similar to Vans in terms yeah. of that. Like well, that's the thing. Can I, shoot? Yeah. I got the call from fucking Vans because I was at Tommy Tacky. Because at that stage, Tommy Tacky's was like everywhere. We were like crushing it. We couldn't put it like we couldn't put a foot wrong. So at that stage, Vans had changed ownership. The the owner of the license had um, sold it to like this private equity company, and they called me. They were like, "Yeah, hey, your name's popped up. Like we kind of resetting the Vans business in South Africa. Would you be interested?" Dude, and Vans was the brand that I always fucking wanted to wear. Like, where I, I can imagine for. that was probably on the list. Like, dude, you know, like because for all of us, like working in a skate store, you do have your like idea of the brands you would want to like be rep by. Like, you'd want to be sponsored by if you were on that level. Yeah. And just knowing you, like, yeah, I would assume Vans was pretty high on that list. Yeah, Vans was. It's always been my brand, dude. Like my first pair of skate shoes, like when I was sixteen, it was a pair of Vans. Like it's just been super close to me. My style of skating, the type of skating I like, everything that they represented, I've always like subscribed to in a big, big way. So that was sick, dude. There was a good team in place there, like with Warren and uh, a couple of the other guys at the time. And yeah, dude, it came in and, and changed things up a little bit there. 
was there for two years. And one of the things I learned from Nike, dude, is like the brand in South Africa has to be the same as the brand everywhere else in the world. Um, it's like, why is that? That global consistency thing is, is super important, dude. I think where a lot of companies and brands have gone wrong is they've taken a global brand and tried to localize yeah, it too much. Yeah. And it does come across as disingenuous. Yeah, I think so, dude. I, like you've got full teams like at global head offices, which I know now because like I, I'm in this European head office and you've got like teams of like 30 people dedicated to like marketing. And like, that's all we do. We just fucking eat, live, breathe shit fucking bands marketing. And then you've got like this like distributor or licensee in a country somewhere in the world who just like got one dude who does half sales and half marketing. And now he's going to fucking come up with the marketing plans. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you're doing yourself like a, it's just like the, it's the, it's the economics dog. <laughs> you're doing yourself a discredit. Like you, you take what the brand's doing and you, you, you apply it locally. That's for sure. The, the kind of right now, the, the way to do things. But instead of, you know, trying to take it and like that, like you, this thing, you can apply the global brand locally, but you don't want to take it and, change it into something it's not to try and suit like the local markets essentially because i think that is something that a lot of brands have done over the years and like it just speaks down to people and not even just like in terms of localizing like in terms of you know different countries and stuff like that but even just brands coming into things that they're not necessarily yeah. you know involved with you know like, like skateboarding like i know totally. when nike and adidas came in, involved in like you know, skateboarding in the beginning, there was quite a heavy pushback and they had to yeah. work pretty hard to become what they were in the scene. And then eventually they were like, cool as fuck. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. So you've got to now when you're doing your job, you say you're marketing for Europe, Africa, Middle East, but you're actually still thinking globally or what are yeah. your concerns there? Like how, you still do have to kind of localize things though, obviously, like you still have to work with local teams. You still have to have, you know, the people on the ground and still has to represent like a local style to a degree. Like whilst you're selling the international idea and the uniform idea of it, different countries are going to have different relationships with products, right? Yeah, totally. It's a question of relevance. So the global idea might be really fantastic. And like our global offices are in California. So we get a lot of good stuff. Uh, a lot of it kind of really leans into that, like Southern California lifestyle, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so how do we take that, keep that, kind of bottle it up and keep it, but make it relevant for consumers in Europe, uh, across all the different countries in Africa, you know, like... What is it like for Europe? Because I can imagine for Durban, it's super easy to sell vans. Like, we are California of South Africa, you know, like... Durban's probably the easiest city in Africa to sell vans to. But like yeah. I can imagine Europe, it's probably a little bit different. Yeah, dude, from a product perspective, it's a little bit different. We introduced like more weatherized like products like uh, MTE mm. stuff, you know, which they didn't have before because vans is like, is, you know, here's a canvas shoe and you can wear it all year round in California. But in Europe, dude, from September, October, dude, you, you're looking for a pair of like fucking snow boots pretty much. So we... Years ago, like, that's a really good example. Like, Europe went back to global, and they're like, yo, we need this, like, weatherized product line. And some of the marketing is also kind of, like, very, like, regional or even country-specific. You never step away from, like, the, what the brand is. You keep that front and center at all times, dude. 
Okay, I yeah. I get that. Like, and that's why Vans has been consistent essentially for the last what forty, fifty years. They've yeah. been around since the seventies, right? Uh, sixty-six, man. So it's sixty-six. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fifty-four. Yeah, fifty-four years. But so when I stepped into the business in South Africa with Vans, um, we didn't have much of a connection with the European or global head office. So one of the first things we did, I was like, cool. Like, who who do we speak to at global? or in Europe at the head office. And no one was really sure through, I don't know, a couple of months working there and like kind of figuring stuff out. We also wanted to have this house of Vans event in Cape town for the 50th anniversary of Vans. I started working with this woman here in the European office, uh, Kathleen, and she was great, dude, super good American woman living in Switzerland. Super cool. She came out to South Africa a few times, uh, but she got promoted. And when she got promoted, I called her and I was like, congratulations. It's fucking like amazing. Uh, like now that you've been promoted, like, are we still going to be dealing with you? And she was like, no, you, we actually need to replace my previous job. So we're looking and your name has come up. Would you be interested? And that was like, your name, your name kept coming up. Eh? Name kept fucking coming up, dude. <laughs> I don't know, man. I like, honestly, there are days. No, in fact, every day, dude, I just feel so like lucky. I, I often say like, I just, I won the lottery, dude. Like literally feel like I won the lottery. I don't know how my name came up. I don't know why Kathleen thought of me, but yeah, like she. Do you really think that? Or do you not like think that, hey, you've put in a lot of hard work over the years. You show up on time. Like you've offered a lot of ideas. Like I'm sure, I mean, I just know from working with you, like I would put your name forward for anything like oh, you know you, you're reliable like as fuck <laughs> like it's like you, and I think <laughs> we, we we live in a world and industry like especially like the skater like punk you know side of the world where that's not necessarily it at all like where people don't i mean i'm literally trying to structure my life so that i don't have to ever show up to anything on time you know <laughs> like yeah so you're the exact opposite of that you've always been diligent you've worked fucking hard you've earned your reputation you know like you know your shit you've fucking done the thing so at that point hadn't you felt like hey i know what i'm doing here yeah, I mean, dude, at that point, even then, I remember coming to Europe for that job interview. And I remember like the VP of marketing at that stage, he like sat me in his office and like had like, it was super relaxed guy, like easy, easy interview, like pretty informal chat. But even at the, that, that stage, you know, think about some of the things that I said in that interview, dude, I was way off, bro. I don't know, like, <laughs> I had no idea what I was talking about. Like he was asking me like these questions and I knew a lot about marketing, but I don't think I knew like real marketing. So he's asking me like these marketing questions and I'm, I'm just kind of giving my best like interpretation of the stuff he's asking me. And they don't often, necessarily know the right jargon and the right yeah, like, kind dude, of like, I, like, I don't know. You put your intentions uh, first and foremost, you know, I think it's so easy to get caught up in models and like, if we look at it like through this lens and we do it like that way, man, you just got to like break it down to what, what you would want to see as a, as a consumer and kind of build back from there. So yeah. Before you carry on there, would you say that's like a large version of what like your ideology is when it comes to this is essentially just going, if I was going into the store, what would I want to see? (laughs) 
Yeah, probably. I mean, ideology is a. <laughs> it probably is, dude. Uh, I tell you, some of the most heartbreaking experiences I've had in my professional career has been that walking into a store and seeing the brand that I work for, and as I as like that's kind of let me down. That's man, that will take chunks out of your out of your heart, dude. Um, so yeah, like just I, I'm just trying to try to make sure that whatever it is I'm doing work wise, I'm upholding that that kind of value set, like what, what the fuck would I want to see? And, and then you, you look at the people around you as well. I, I remember like thinking about the tiger bloods in Durban and I still do. I'm like, what would they fucking think if they saw this? You know, they'd probably like, I don't know, they, they'd probably call bullshit on it. Well, okay. So yeah, maybe we need, yeah, maybe we need to rethink that a little bit. So you, you know, look around you and I think we're just so fortunate to have fucking such amazing people. Um, just like around around us dude so um, do you sometimes think like like when you see something you're like what would so-and-so think of this like literally like a specific person like you've got like taste makers in mind and you're like if they think it would be cool like if you're like they would dig this i'm gonna do it so dude this is actually the fucking crunch right here because the <laughs> the taste makers pro i mean like, I'm people, talking tastemakers in terms of reality, not in terms of what you see yeah, online. Like, I mean, okay. in terms of people who actually know what's cool. Yeah, exactly that. And the fucking, the best part about all of this is the people that know what is cool are the people you don't know about, dude. It's like, they, okay. not the fucking Instagram celebrities with thousands. Yeah. And, you know, people who know what's up, they like, they are few and far between. Dude, and like, honestly, man, like, I, chatting to you earlier before we started this podcast, bro, you're a fucking phenom, dude. Look at like your output. Like you write, you do podcasts, you do so like your social commentary, your comedy. Dude, you fucking making like Bob perfect like coffee mugs, right? <laughs> and I dude, I like if there's nothing wrong in my eyes to put you in front of an idea and say, what would what would Bob fucking say about this? Like, well, there, there was a beer brand that literally had me on their vision board here <laughs> in Durban. So, no, what beer brand was it, dude? Uh, if people listen to the podcast, it was one I used to work with on this podcast, but uh, they uh, don't okay. deliver in one certain ways. Okay, the moment I talk about I'm, 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 I'm not going to give them free press. Like, they, they slow me beer. But uh, yeah, like, I've, I've been told that before, but like, I don't consider myself necessarily a tastemaker at all, but I do understand that influencers follow me if that makes sense exactly like, dude exactly bro those dudes with the hundreds and thousands of followers that like living their best instagram lives they're following fucking you my friend like that's and not that, just me there's lots of people that are like that though like that are like actually on the streets who have lived life you know yeah who have actually like like for me, like I'm always thinking Louis, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. he's my like quintessential. But like him, I'm also just thinking of um, what's his name, Basquiat as well, you know. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like something real there, dude. Yeah, like true people who just actually know what's fucking cool. <laughs> like yeah. it's like, and so they're the, those kind of people are in consideration, like when you're creating stuff more so than like the Instagrammable people. Yeah, dude, it, I read something yesterday about um, that movie, Almost Famous, and like I think it was like, what's your favorite quote from the movie? And there's only one quote from that entire movie that sticks out for me, dude. It's, he's like, the only um, true currency in this, in world. this world. Yes, 
It's exactly yes, like yes. when you're uncool. Yeah, like, yeah. is what you share with someone when you're uncool. uncool. Yeah. That is gold, dude. That is everything right there that you need to know. Um, yeah, dude. Like, I've kind of based my entire life on, like, <laughs> Lester Bangs in that movie. <laughs> like, yes, dude. Lester fucking Bangs. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> but, like, dude, there's also something there. It's like, like, don't peak too soon as well. You know, I, I often, like, think about when I was in high school and, like, where the fuck's the head boy now? Like, and I'm not dude, saying... Where, where the fuck are the sponsored skaters when yeah. you, know, you were a teen? Totally, dude. Don't peak too, like, too soon. I think kids nowadays, I don't know, or always, have always kind of felt this pressure that if you haven't defined yourself in major successes by, I don't know, 20, you, you know, you're a failure. But, man, like, my 30s have been the fucking best years of my life, bro. It was like when the clock struck 12 on my 30th birthday, it was like everything just became awesome. I just... Well, how old were you when you started working at Boogaloo's? Dude, Boogaloo's. Or at Rev, like. Revolution was about 2005. Yeah, 2005, DC, 2007. Yeah, so like kind of like around there. I turned 30 in 2011. And that, like I say, dude, that's when things got really fucking awesome in Durban, dude. Like just. Uh, so that's a pretty, like, you know, so that's the thing, like a lot of people like listening might not understand like the timeline you know that you actually started pretty late like and even yeah. just that like in terms of like you were working retail in terms of the skate scene like you know later in life than a lot of people would be like most people start that like when they're in their teens and that yeah and so you know and like what's crazy is but i think do you think like starting it later is why you were able to stand out it's why you were able to offer more maybe dude <laughs> Maybe you were like, oh, my sure. coming up. Yeah, maybe, man. Um, yeah, because you weren't like your peer, like the people, the other people who were working at the store who were like showing <laughs> up, like so I was 18 year olds, and you got like this 25 year old guy, like, oh, we go with the 25 year old guy, like, <laughs> yeah, maybe, dude, maybe the age thing, you know, I shouldn't, like, I mean, I want to be careful with my words here because that could have definitely been a factor, but if there's one thing I've learned is that age. Man, like age is fucking imaginary. On like honestly, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, dude. Just talking about you know people and thinking about like the things that I do and, and how I work. I mean, my dude, my ultimate lit, like litmus test is fucking Michaela, bro. If something's not cool, dude, Michaela will be the first one to let me know, dude. She like at that time as well, like when we first started hanging out and and kind of like dating, dude. She was like saying stuff and putting me onto things that I had no idea about. And like, dude, she opened my fucking eyes, bro. So, and we've got this like huge age difference. So, you know, even though I might be have been older through maybe my journey, dude, always, I don't know, always, uh, always, I don't know. Don't think that you're too old for anything, basically. Like, uh, I think staying connected to, to youth culture is super important uh, for me. Do you ever worry about that, like, about being too old for the culture? Yeah, of course, man. Like, I think about myself in my current job when I'm, I don't know, in my 50s. And I, I don't know if that's, <laughs> if that's really, like, what, what I want. Where, where, uh, where would you see yourself, like, if you are still going to be in the same, like, environment? 
Dude, honestly, Bob, I could have given you a pretty clear answer six, six months, months ago. Six months ago. <laughs> yeah, I think during this time, like, I, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's been this like huge human reality check. Like, I've just really been thinking about like how we experience things, and I just think we got too. Me personally, I kind of like got a little bit too far removed from actually like living my life, like just having this con- like constant filter on it. Um, okay. Yeah, like well, because through, of professional stuff or what? Yeah, professional stuff. I think social. Uh, social media kind of plays into it, but then also like your sh- like your social, I don't know, your social place also like mm-hmm. the more I've like kind of like had time to think about all of that, the more I've just come to realize it's it's all kind of imaginary. <laughs> <laughs> all this fucking shit around us is just um, the social structures, you know, like all of these fucking things we put in front of ourselves, we've imagined and we've, we've, we've done it to ourselves. So, you know, I think about what my life will be like when I'm 50 dude at this stage man like it it would probably be a more simplified version of what I was thinking six months ago I get that I'm almost 100% in not like the same place but like because I've always been kind of on that like detached from the system as much as possible like tip but even now I'm just like not even just detached from the system. It's like just create new systems and like, yeah. what is that actually going to look like? But yeah. I'm still, it's weird because like I've got those like two futures in mind. You know, I still have the pre-corona future in a weird way. Like I've still got the like, yeah, because I was working on the Heat City Comedy Festival. Like that's what I would be doing right now. Like if, um, you know, we didn't have corona, like I would be, I wouldn't even have almost live going. I would just have the podcast. I don't even yeah. have the website would be going. Like I would just be working on the festival and just be trying to like. And you probably still want to do that, right? I mean, that's like, that hasn't faded uh, into, into obscurity. Oh God, no. Like it's like, <laughs> it's weird like seeing people post about like, you know, they're missing their overseas trips and they're missing this and they're oh, missing that. Dude. And it's like, I don't even know how to explain like yeah. how I feel. But then at the same time, I'm like, I'm doing so much cool shit <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. and like, you know, I'm just focusing on cool things and important things. And like, you know, I've read more books this year than I've read in my life. Like, oh, no, that's, that's a lot. Like, okay. Since a teenager, I used to yeah. read so much as a teenager, but like, yeah, man, like, you know, I've been working out. I'm healthier now than I've ever been. And I was on that tip this year, no matter what, like I yeah. was already like, I like went veggie this year and like nice. started exercising and that, but like, yeah, man, it's really just been, uh, like, it's also, for me, like, it's been an up and down thing. Like, it's very much been a, like, because in these last three months, it's even weird, like, how much my financial situation has gone from good to bad to good to bad, you know? So, it's like, yeah, yeah. opportunities come, then it falls through, like, because everything's in chaos. But I'm just trying to, yeah, just let it all... Little be what it's gonna be, and I'm just gonna focus on how I can handle it. I guess. Dude, 100% the right approach, man. Like, uh, I totally I subscribe to that. It's I think we're all kind of let the cards floor, like let the cards fall, and yeah, f- figure it out and do what's right for do what's right for for you. You know, um, I think that's yeah. I just know, like, uh, thinking about working in an office nine to five, five days a week. I was doing a lot of business travel, dude, like literally in a different city every two weeks at least. 
Okay, but like some people are going to be like, that sounds amazing. Bro. Oh. What do you mean? You get to like be in a different city all the time. That sounds like the dream. Yeah. Okay. So this is the thing. It is, it is amazing. It's part of the fucking, it's part of the lottery ticket, of course. Like when I get to experience a city for the first time for, through work, like, man, that is incredible. But how, and this is it, like how we experience those things. So what it started to become for me was I'm in another city. Let me take a photo. I'll like send it to some friends. I'll post it online and, and like seek validation mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, so you don't I, even really enjoy the city. Yeah, you like, totally you want, you like, and building up to it, you're thinking about the fucking photo you're going to take and like exactly. how many likes it's going to get. Yeah. Oh, yeah dude, that's it, man. And it's like this crazy thing of like, oh, so last night I was thinking about this cause I like genuinely for the first time in a long time, I, I miss live music, dude. I like miss mm. Being like, I think about the Snoop Lion or Snoop Dogg concert that we were at. Dude, Urban, yeah, dude. dude, you were you were in VIP as well. Like, I <laughs> yeah. remember that. Like, you were the only person I recognized. Yes. And I was because I was just going in and taking like I was ordering like five drinks at a time and taking yes. them out to people outside. Yeah, <laughs> like I miss that, bro. I miss that human connection. I miss looking back at that as a memory, dude. Like drinking fancy vodka with fucking with you and all the homies on the crowd and. <laughs> We were doing vodka shots at the yeah. fucking bar, yes. And we were starving to death. I just hadn't eaten anything all day long. And they brought out the fucking food for the VIP. like, And it was just like a table full of like chicken, dude. It was like roast chicken, chicken nuggets, fucking any kind of chicken you chicken can. Chicken burgers, burgers. yeah. Dude, it was the dream, dude. So I'm like starting to miss what live music like or those types of gatherings would kind of give give me right for the first time yeah like, now i've seen like people like oh i miss i don't know i miss being a fucking uh, I don't know, some music festival and i'm like yeah i don't really miss that but i last time for the first time i was like yeah man i fucking miss that but how i will experience those things in the future i, I hope will be different i think there'll be less less of it and probably more meaningful experiences and the same applies for travel dude if if i can travel to a handful of cities every year that's absolutely fine with me dude i don't need to do that every single month like yeah, i just think less less is more like for me going forward well has that helped has that been one of the helpful things about all of this at least for your job now is people have realized that they can do video calls and it's almost as effective yeah dude honestly like the demands of work have been super intense they reduced working hours for, for all the staff so we were working four day weeks so pretty much 80% of your working week um, that you would normally have. But dude, the demands of what we're doing at the moment would be double of what you would normally do in a working day. Like honestly, man, from like eight because in the morning. Back to back. Back to fucking back. So I'm like, dude, if this is like taught us anything, it's a lesson in productivity and saving, I don't know, for me an hour every day driving to the office and yeah. Dude, that's like, the thing for my mom like that I'm so happy for because she drives like, basically an hour and a half a day like to Holy from shit. work and i'm just like like you don't have to do that she's anymore. working from she's working from home and it's like yeah. what a fucking yeah dream. that's exactly like i'm just like that's amazing like i still think like obviously there is advantages to going into an office like at least once or twice a week you know like you do need human interaction you do need to bounce stuff off of people like properly like sometimes yeah. like there are reasons and stuff but at the same time like 
the fashion industry, I guess, has been pretty like bad ecologically in a lot of ways, like not yeah. just in terms of like, you know, shipping and that, but even just like I know like Our the production. people who fly the most, yeah. yeah, the people who fly the most in my life are people who work in the fashion industry. Yeah, man, like honestly, dude, like getting called into meetings in a, you know, two hour flight away and you literally arrive in the morning, you go to the meeting and you go, you know, maybe for lunch or if you like your coffee and then you get in the plane and you fly home and you back that same like evening. That you was could have just had a Zoom call. Could have just had a Zoom call, dude. And that was just becoming for me probably a little, yeah, just too normal. So does yeah, it become it, normal? Like does that kind of lifestyle become normal? Like you know, because you watch uh, what's it like up in the air with George Clooney and that. And, like <laughs> you know, he's just like traveler and like he loves it. Like you know, it's his part of his like thing. But like yeah you get good at it dude it's 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 sad but it's true like you at some months during the year i've literally just got like a little wheeler bag like already packed i've got two toiletry bags one for home one for when i'm on the road you yeah you you take the shortcuts you get you get good at it dude and like a touring um, musician almost yeah 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 totally it becomes that but uh, I tell you what will sober you up real quick dude is staying at home for fucking five months <laughs> <laughs> So, what, yeah, like in a good, good way or bad way? Oh, in a good way, in a really good way. I've had to, yeah, I don't know, dude, just do things differently, things about, think about things differently. And similar to you, dude, for the first time in years, I'm picking up books and I'm finishing them and I'm picking up the fucking next book straight away. And I'm, I'm listening to your fucking podcast and listening to podcasts. I'm, I'm like, literally feels like I've been nourishing my mind and my body for the last six months, uh, five months. So from that perspective, man, like no looking back, dude, I, I was always uh, getting sick, getting like the flu from traveling. You always run down. You're never eating properly. You're never sleeping properly because you're getting up at all sorts of ungodly hours. And you're also entertaining. You're doing dinners and drinking. All of, yeah, drinking, dude. It's been really nice to step back from that for a while. Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, and anything else that you've got written down there? Because like you're you're one of the first few people that like I've had on this podcast who said like I've actually got some things I want to talk about. <laughs> so, like, or like I did some prep work for it. <laughs> so is there anything we didn't cover that you want to chat about? Dude, man, I think this has been super good for me. I hope it's been the same for you. I, like more for you. Like, is there anything like you you wanted to ask if you're like fuck, dude, we didn't get into that, or I was hoping you'd talk more 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 about this. No, this has been fucking awesome, dude. Like, it's just like, yeah, you've been super open. You've been super honest. You've like, like, this is why, like, I wanted to have you on because out of all the people that I know who are in the positions that you've been in, a lot of them are full of shit. Like, a lot of them are marketing people. They are, like, playing the game and, yeah. like, projecting a lot of stuff. And... I guess that's why I've always just appreciated you and like I've appreciated talking to you in general and like just working with you because it's like you can just be real. Yeah, thank you for that, dude. It's uh, the feeling is fucking mutual, bro. I'm uh, I'm a fan of your fucking podcast. Um, I'm embarrassed that I haven't um, gotten gotten involved with the Patreon piece yet. Like I messaged you the other day. When, everything when, in its own time. Yeah, everything in its own time. And uh, dude, when you when you kind of mentioned you'd want to do it with me i was uh like a little bit taken aback dude uh like i think you've had some 
incredible people on this podcast and to be even considered to, I don't know, to have an, an hour with you is, is fucking sick for me, dude. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Well, of course, dude. Like, because, like, this podcast is a lot of different things, you know? Like, for me and also, I guess, for the listeners. But, you know, there's a lot of personal relationships involved in this. And it's also, like, it's a weird little, like, history of Durban. Yeah. And I think you are a big part of that. Especially, like, you say, you know, that, like you're like that like you know you're th- when you were 30 and that but like the work you did with dc had an impact on the ground here in durban and like you know the people you worked with the stuff you've done with vans you know like has helped like stuff in durban grow like you've put other people on you've helped them do things you know like it's you're like and that's the thing people don't necessarily know that and people don't necessarily see that side of things or even me like i talk shit about brands all the time and i'm like oh you know fuck brands they only want to use you and stuff like that but occasionally they get people like you working for them and genuine stuff can happen and genuine projects do happen and so i guess yeah that's why i wanted to talk to you because it's also like we were saying before we even got on here there's so many people want to be a part of the creative industry or the creative scene or different sides of it, but like they might feel embarrassed because they're not the oh yeah you know, sure. the biggest the best artist or even the best skater, dude. Yeah. I remember that. Like you know, I remember starting skating, wishing like I could get sponsored, and then realizing I would literally never get sponsored at skateboarding, so I might as well be good at something else. So. Yeah, it's like it's just showing people that there are other parts to the creative industry, I guess. Dude, well said. Um, like, it's a fine line, dude, between having, I don't know, being talented at something. Uh, like, I'm not creative, dude. I, I, I like ideation. I like the creative process. But I, I'm, me personally, I don't consider myself a creative person. Um, so that's like we were talking about earlier. That's like when I put people in, in front of me and I'm like, hey, what would this person say? Like, what would they think? Put that lens on it. Um, I mean, I think that, that is creativity in its own right. But okay. <laughs> but at the same like it's time, literally using your imagination. You're literally imagining yeah, what okay. other people All right. It's uh, Yeah, maybe it is. It's a, it's a form when I'm writing, creativity. that's what I'm doing. I'm imagining what other people are going to say. <laughs> like... Oh, dude, yeah, I guess you build these narratives, right? Like in your head, like, okay, I got that. Nice. Dude, it's, yeah, sorry, I lost my train of thought. It's it's having those creative influences around you, being able to be humble in, in what you can and can't do. And maybe just like a final thought is like, I remember being in my early 20s and kind of being on a on a path and I kind of, I wasn't sure if I was going to be happy with where that path took me. So if you're on a path. SA home loans, bro. SA fucking home loans, dude. Yeah. If you're on a path, dude, change it. You just stop and you change. And if you stay humble and, and I think if you have good people around you, you'll, you'll land on your feet, dude. That's, I think the, that's the universal law, dude. Cool. I think that's a great place to end it, bro. So yeah, thank you so much for your time. Bob, it's been fucking amazing. Thanks to you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Above everything, it was just it was just good to get to talk to you again, man. Yeah, we've we've never had like a short conversation. So yeah. 
always like i knew this was going to be fun so thank you bro epic thank you to you cool thank you for listening all the way through to the end of the almost perfect podcast you have actually won yourself two things congratulations uh, one of those things is some very useful information from Pat Duff himself, and the other is an opportunity to be marketed to. So the opportunity to be marketed to comes at the end because I'm a nice guy. I'm not going to make you wait for the useful information. But maybe if you enjoy the useful information, you'll listen to, you'll listen to the marketing pitch at the end. How about that? Cool. So one of the things that Pat really wanted to get across after the conversation was he hit me up and he was like, Yo, like I know I mentioned that I bought a house uh, or put a deposit down on a house after the Boogaloo sling and he wanted to let people know how he did that. So basically when he was working at Revolution, his salary got doubled when he moved across to Boogaloo's. For Pat, his salary didn't get doubled. He put the second half of that money straight into the bank and he saved up for 18 months. And yeah, that uh, turned out that he was able to put a deposit down on a house. So not a bad bit of advice there, you know, if you do get an increase, if you do get a raise uh, at your job, maybe try and keep your lifestyle the same. Maybe put that money away and you can do big things with that. Uh, so yeah, that was just some of the useful information from Pat Duff there, some, from the economist Pat Duff. He does have a degree in economics and it is, I think, partially why he's managed to navigate things so well. And then here comes the marketing pitch. Yo, if you want to support the Almost Perfect Podcast, if you enjoyed what you just heard for the last hour and a half or so, uh, yeah, you can support us by buying yourself an Almost Perfect mug made by the print room in Durban. They are supporting us as well. So yeah, you can hit me up on the social medias, either on our Twitter, our Instagram, our Facebook, or you can email me directly, bob at almostperfect.co.za. And I'll sell you a mug for 100 rand. 10 rand from every mug sale goes to Sasonkare, which is an organization that is working to decriminalize slash legalize. I know you think I'm going to say weed. Nah, uh, it's sex work. We're trying to get sex work legalized in South Africa. And so if you buy a mug from me, a little bit of money goes towards that. Alternatively, you can go to sasonkare.org.za yourself and just give them a wad of cash. And then come buy a mug from me anyway, because, yeah, I'm trying to trying to start a media empire here. Alternatively, if you don't want to buy a mug from me, you can't afford to buy a mug from me, uh, you can't afford to go to patreon.com forward slash almost perfect, then please go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Just leave a review saying, yo, this podcast is the dopest podcast ever. I got so much value out of it. You're going to love it. And then hit the five-star button there. And you know what? That would have taken you probably two minutes of your time and it would help this podcast immensely. So yeah, if you enjoyed what you heard, please go and do that. And I'm going to assume if you've listened all the way to the end, you probably have enjoyed what you heard. Later.